Welcome, everybody, to episode 24 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm one of your co-hosts, Phil Souza, and I'm here with my co-host, my good friend, and the guy who does an amazing disappearing pig trick. You really ought to see it. It is Jack Ultramat. What's happening, Jack? It's a mere, a mere sleight of hand, but uh, <laughs> even to the most masterful uh, witch, wizard, warlock, whatever that thing was at the end, lady, witch, she witch, uh, you know, I, she will be fooled as well. Just an amazing <laughs> sleight of hand. I'm like, I'm like the Chris Angel of podcasters. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Willow this week, which is obviously what that reference is from, if you're familiar with the movie. Um, and uh, let me kind of introduce the show a little bit, and then I actually want to get into a bit of news first, and then we'll get into Willow. Um, if you're just joining us for this podcast, we are an unofficial Disney Plus podcast reviewing the most popular stuff on Disney+. Plus. Uh, today on the show, we're doing a 2020 review of Willow, the 1988 uh, classic fantasy film directed by Ron Howard and starring Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer and Kevin Pollack and a couple other um, actresses and actors. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to talk about some interesting Disney plus news. Did you see the story this week? It dropped on IGN and, I, and some, maybe some other outlets too about splash the, the movie that they brought. It's, a, it's, no. an, old, it's an old Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah film no. and it is, Wait, I've never seen the movie, but it kind of reads like The Little Mermaid. It it is literally like um, about the story of an, a mermaid who gets her legs. Yeah, yeah with like Daryl Hannah. Yeah. yeah, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, yeah, I I don't, I don't think I've seen this movie. Um, my wife has seen it. Jessica's uh, was talking to me about it the other day. Um, I. I, I love Tom Hanks. And I feel like I've seen a lot of his filmography, but I don't think I've actually seen this movie. Um, it's been a long I guess, time ago, but I watched it. I guess she becomes a human, falls in love, but then at the end has to go back to being a mermaid again. It's it's very uh -huh. similar to Little Mermaid, it sounds like. But um, so the big news story from this is not that this movie came to Disney Plus. It's like, okay, who cares? It's another movie that got added. The big news story is that they had to CGI uh, part of the movie like they actually changed uh, a, like a four three or four second clip of the movie uh -huh. for it to make it suitable for disney plus and it is the scene where it's her, the goodbye scene at the very end of the movie um she uh is still has her legs and everything but she's going to go back to being a mermaid right. she kisses she kisses tom hanks's character and then runs uh into the water the into the ocean um and she's naked like in the original film you see her butt like it's just she's butt naked you see her butt, butt as she naked. as she yeah butt naked as as she <laughs> as she runs into the the ocean you just see her from the backside well because this is coming to disney plus and they disney has they're not bringing any rated r movies like they're definitely trying to make this more kid friendly uh -huh. um they actually cover up the the nudity if you if you consider you know naked butt nudity they cover up the nudity with cgi hair <laughs> It's the weirdest thing. So find find this clip or find this this image or whatever on IGN is where I saw it. But it is literally it looks so fake. It is literally like hair extensions for this one scene. And Jessica said she's like, well, wouldn't everyone notice that her hair just got really long for the scene? I'm like, yeah, probably. Oh <laughs> it, looks, it, look, it looks really bad. But um, her hair, I think Daryl Hannah's hair naturally went down to like just kind of lower back, like the lower two thirds of her back. And just for this one shot, they extend that hair, hair all the way down to the bottom of her butt. And so as she's running into the water, you just see like a hair covered butt basically as she's running into the water. Yeah, I'm trying to load up. <laughs> I want to see this video that you're saying now not that i <laughs> want to see daryl hannah but i've got to see what of what you talk about here yeah pretty so, amazing 
I think what's interesting with this story to, to discuss is the idea of censorship and, um, you know, Disney's in their full rights to, to doctor this video. Um, was this a 20th Century Fox movie? Huh. That was a really bad, I just watched this. This is a very bad CGI on this. Yeah, thing. It, look, it looks terrible. Um, yeah, it looks it looks like some some uh, nerd like in the in the back office somewhere spent fifteen minutes on it. Seriously, pretty impressive. Uh, so yeah, I guess that was the. What are your thoughts? Should they have covered that up? So it's it's that's a complicated question. I th- I think what's weird is that on the same service on Disney Plus and elsewhere on the service, um, you can see Thanos completely decapitate, de- completely decapitated um, right. at the end of, end of the uh, Infinity Saga um, movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we already covered this movie about two months ago, but the Simpsons movie has full frontal nudity um, and it's a child. <laughs> that is Bart Simpson. Of course, that's animated nudity, so it's, and it's played off for laughs. But um, like we ha- there's other things on the service that are not suitable for kids. Like watching um, an axe literally chop off uh, Thanos's head is okay, but then this isn't okay. So it seems a little. But since <laughs> I-, I think censorship always it's gets so weird. It's so funny to watch. It's like just so funny to watch her, <laughs> and and it's like her hair is like it's obviously in a totally different dimension. Around it's so weird. Like <laughs> that they chose that. They didn't want to blur it out. Right. So they blurted out with hair. Like, so it's really weird. Like, I don't know. Why not like a conch shell or something? <laughs> yeah. Super weird, man. I, I, I think honestly, like if you're asking me, like what, would I rather just have uh, like, just kind of like a blurry tone over that part of her body as she's running in? I think, I don't know. I think maybe I would prefer that. It just, it looks, it's, it's such a bad CGI job that, and it's so obvious what they're trying to do that it just, it just, it's going to be laughable, I think, for people to see. Flash. <laughs> so, so weird. Yeah, I don't know what I think about that. Other than they probably could have come up with anything else. I mean, even with CGI now, she could have been transforming into a fish as she walked even. Uh-huh. And not be hair. I don't know. I don't know enough about CGI and how to do it, to do it well. So, um, It was originally... It originally produced by Disney, uh, Walt Disney Studios. It, it was released under the Touchstone Pictures um, name. But yeah, uh, but that was, I mean, even Touchstone is a, a label created by Walt Disney Studios. So right. I, well, D- Disney's always owned this movie um, and they, they deemed it appropriate back in 1990, or, or 1984, geez, 1984 well, yeah. when this movie came out, but, but it's not suitable now. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, honestly, you're, uh, it, it spins into the movie we're talking about this week, into Willow. There's a few will- things in Willow that I'm kind of like, I, not that it was bad. It's just like, I, I don't know that they, I don't know why they did what they did in some, I don't know how they pulled off a few of the, few of the things they did either in the movie. Yeah, so. anyway. yeah we'll talk about that. I've, I've got a lot to say about the CGI. I, I was actually overall impressed, especially for 1988. Um, right. Right. It's not a, a recent movie, so the movie's thirty two years old. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. So um, well, let's kind of introduce it a little bit. Let's let's go ahead and jump into Willow. I did not know going into this movie, and I, I know you had seen it before. I this is my first watching of the film was uh, last night, and and then kind of this afternoon. <laughs> I had to uh, can watch, I, can watch I say parts. before you go that far? Yeah. Ironically, you know who uh, you know who directed Willow, right? Ron Howard. You know who directed Splash, right? 
Also Ron Howard? Ron Howard. <laughs> there I you go. That. There There's you go. the connection. Continue. I should have used that as a, as a transition. There um, you go. So I, one thing I did not know, and I, I'm sure this was super obvious to viewers at the time. I just, this movie completely passed me by. I actually wasn't, wasn't allowed to see it when it first released, and I never came back to it later when I was old enough. But um, I had no idea this was a, a George Lucas uh, gig, like that he wrote the story for this movie. Um, it actually starts out with the Lucasfilm logo um, mm-hmm. on screen as the, as, as the movie's opening. Well, he started writing and, a long time, a long time ago. Yeah, like before Star Wars even released, he already had the kind of like initial script for this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. 1972, I think was the year. But um, yeah, he this is a long time story he wanted to tell. It finally got realized in the late 80s when the movie finally came out. Um, but yeah, it wasn't just his story. Industrial Light and Magic did all the visual effects sequences so like when you're watching this movie and you're like man that kind of looks like um the kind of cgi that you would see in like return of the jedi or something like that it's like uh well that's it is the same studio like because it is yes yeah it's the same studio that did the return of the jedi and other movies you know even five years previous to this movie so um it does look a lot like that so um, I want to get into just kind of, we'll go beat by beat. Um, I, honestly, I'll probably kind of use the Wikipedia page and maybe just pause on like paragraph marks so we can kind of just talk about like st- um, bite-sized chunks of the movie. Um, like I'll get through, I'll just kind of summarize a paragraph and then we can talk about it and then summarize another paragraph. I think that will help us kind of um, chunk up the movie a little bit because I think what, um, let, let me first do my overall thoughts. I want to get your overall thoughts on the on the movie, and then we'll we'll go into that. But because um, I think that will kind of color our discussion a little bit. Sure. My overall overall thought on the movie is that I liked it. I don't wouldn't say that I loved it. Right. And there the parts for me that are negatives for the movie are probably mostly going to coincide with um, parts of it for me. Again, this is twenty twenty. Eyes, twenty 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 vision, if you will, um, that is watching this movie. It, it, there were parts of it that were boring to me to watch. I thought that it got it got really slow, and yes. there were conversations that didn't really matter that I was watching the characters have. And so I, I found myself kind of mentally kind of checking out a little bit as I was watching the movie in certain scenes. Other scenes were are, were thrilling to watch, but so there were parts of it that were like that. And then the other thing that you'll I'll probably mention a couple times here and there is that. The movie overall, um, I, mean, I would without Wikipedia at my side, I would have trouble remembering the order of things because there are so many things that happen in the movie that seem like it could have happened in literally any order. Uh, right. there, there doesn't seem to be a natural progression of the story from from left to right. Uh, you, like you could take a, a scene that happens at the 45 minute mark, put it at the 30 minute mark, and it would probably make perfect sense. And right. um, and so it's actually kind of very easy to, unless you've seen this movie a dozen times, it's easy to kind of get lost in the details of what's happening and why is this happening right now? Um, because I don't think, I don't feel like it happens. Na- events happen naturally. It's just um, almost mcguffin kind of like, like let's just get him to the next uh, action scene. And mm-hmm. um, I don't, I, not always, but I think about half of the movie suffers from that. And so, um, I'm kind of relying on Wikipedia to kind of keep keep things straight. But what what are your overall thoughts? What, what uh, do you remember? If you remember, you know the first viewing of this of this film. I think you were nine, probably when it came out. Right. Um, if you remember the first viewing of, of seeing this in theaters or at home, and then your 
present kind of present day viewing? What, what's your overall thoughts on? We that rented uh, we rented this movie on VHS. Is how I watched it the first time. Uh, not not a type of movie that would have ever been in my parents' uh, wheelhouse, especially my dad. I, I doubt I doubt he was even in the room when we watched it because I I cannot see him even going. He would have just been like, "What? Okay, no, I'm good. <laughs> We're good." My mom probably would have watched it because she'll watch about anything. Um, but this definitely was not in their wheelhouse. I remember watching it and liking it because I liked fantasy. Um, I was not that far before this. I watched the never ending story Mm. and it's, this is similar. Um, I had no idea about Tolkien, uh, Mm. about any, any Lord of the Rings, any Hobbit, anything like that. Um, if you were a person that watched this movie in 1988 and had read Tolkien at all, had read Hobbit, had read Lord of the Rings, you would have been like, this is a ripoff of those things. I agree. Like, I mean, literally, like, Hobbit is almost like, well, it's like a m- amalgam of the two. Like, it's because it's like these smaller people going on a journey to take something back and they have to go venture out into the outside world and they don't know how to function in the outside world and they have to have help from a human. Uh, and it's not uh, Aragorn, it's Val Kilmer. Um, and it's like this whole like, this whole thing of like the same thing. But in 1988, I didn't know about that. So I'd never read any, I'd never read Tolkien and I didn't know about Hobbit because again, my parents wouldn't have, that's not, that that would have been, I don't know. I'm not sure what they would have categorized that hippie nonsense. I'm not sure what they would have categorized <laughs> that as, but, yeah. um, but I um, liked it. Then there was a magazine that I remember this being on the cover of, and it, some sort of fantasy magazine, it may have been called fantasy magazine, but it had, uh, you know, on the cover, remember one ep- one 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 issue had uh, Neverending Story had Falcor the Luck Dragon on. Another issue, here's here's Willow on the cover of. Or actually, I think the three main actors in it. Anyway, Princess so, Bride probably would have been in there. Yeah, like things that. like that. So like like um, I would have I was excited about this because it was George Lucas. I love Star Wars, so obviously like I would have loved this. Um, now. As an old person, um, it's extremely long. Like it, it goes on. We were almost to the end. I was almost to the end, and Amanda was watching it with me. And I was almost to the end, and then I hit pause, and I still had fifty-six minutes left. And I no. was like, "Oh <laughs> man, like oh, oh no!" Like, cause I literally, I legitimately was like, "Well, this has got to come to an end sometime soon." Here, we're close. Oh no! Thanks, George Lucas and Ron Howard. Oh great! And so it just went on and on and, and it was fine. Like it was, it, 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 it does not, for me, it doesn't really hold up as much. I really like Warwick Davis. I thought he, I always think he does a great yes. job and yeah, I think really I love good. him. I love him because he is, uh, uh, what's the name? What's Ewok is he? Um, Oh, widget. He is wicked. 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 Yes. Which not widget. <laughs> wicked. Wicked. Uh-huh. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Wicked the Ewok. Anyway, I, I, uh, and I, I like Val Kilmer. Like I, I don't know that he was necessarily in the beginning of the movie and maybe it's because he was so starved and dehydrated, but his characters, his character became normalized. When you first like, meet him, 
You're my like, favorite character. My favorite favorite character in this in this movie is played by Val Kilmer. I yeah, I, I absolutely loved him from yeah, the beginning. At, at first, though, he's a different person than he is by the end. And I know he makes a journey, and I know he, he makes improvements. But like yeah. I'm talking, like when you first see him, he's in that cage. He's like scum, and then you see him five minutes later, and he's starting to imbue some redeemable qualities. But yeah. like like when you first see him, you're like he's kind of gross. And it might probably because yeah. it's probably because he's stuck in this cage, he's dehydrated, he's probably gonna die, no one wants him, and whatever. So that's my thoughts. That's my yeah. thoughts. Uh, pretty yeah, well that's... done for the for the time it was done in. I mean, yeah. 1988. It's a pretty 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 well done movie. So I think I think they thought reading a few things. I think they thought this movie was gonna be a huge 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 world changing level movie. Yes. And and it made money, and it made a lot of money, but it didn't do what they thought it, it was going to do. It, it was not the uh, the epic that they thought it was going to be. Um, right. They, yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, budget was thirty five million, box office one hundred thirty seven million. So I, it definitely made a big profit. But um, you know, Star Wars Episode Four, this movie was not like it. It was not anywhere close to the numbers. I think I think that movie made a billion dollars or something like that back even back right. in 1977. This this movie is just not that. Um, and I think they were hoping it was going to be this huge phenomenon that would just take over the world and everyone would be inviting their oh I got to see it a second time and take a friend. Like it just it just wasn't that movie. Right. And it didn't so, do that for everybody. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was the critical reception. I think it mostly got favorable reviews, but. Um, uh, yeah, Rotten, actually, Rotten Tomatoes is right down the middle, fifty-one percent. So um, there, there were people that that liked it and thought, like, "Oh, this is great." Um, you know, kind of in the same vein as Princess Bride, which has come out the year before, or uh, even Star Wars. And I think there's a lot of Star Wars comparisons actually with this movie. Um, you know, which makes sense; it's, it's another Lucas property. But the, the, but then there's the other part of Rotten Tomatoes, which is saying, "No, this this thing is nothing special." So. Um, kind of interesting. Yeah. I, overall, overall, I liked it. I, I mentioned my negatives a second ago, but you're going to hear me glow about this movie as we as we go through it. So, good, good. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I understand. Like, I'm not saying it was bad. It was just for me long, and yeah. it it's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of uh, fantasy trope in it that was kind of set in place and kind of fixed in place by Tolkien, and so. I don't know. It's like George Lucas sat down in 1972 and thought, I love Tolkien. I want to create a movie that's like that. And um, anyway, this is what became of it. Yeah. 16 years um, later. Before we get into the synopsis, which we, I promise we'll do here in the next minute, um, I, I want to make one, just set one record straight. So I, I wanted to be respectful. And so I went to the little people of America's website, uh-huh. um, which is, a, as the name would imply a United States, um, uh, community for, uh, for little people. So, you know, there, there are terms that are considered to be offensive. And so we're not going to be using those terms. The, the ones, according to their website, the ones that are acceptable terms uh, are dwarf, which that kind of surprised me. I, that, that's actually a term that they respect um, is the word dwarf. So dwarf is okay. Uh, little person is okay. And then they said person of, of short stature, uh, stature are all right. considered acceptable terms. So I just want to lay that out there. Like if you hear me say the word dwarf um, 
or little person, like dwarfism is, is actually like the technical term for um, the ailment that, that they suffer from. So, um, so dwarf is, is perfectly fine to say and little person is perfectly fine. So just want to lay that out there. I, I didn't want anyone to think I was being uh, offensive by using a term that's actually considered ex Very acceptable. good. It's very good homework for you to do, Phil. That's very <laughs> respectful. Very good. <laughs> so okay so um the this the story starts out and it is there there are a, a lot of influences on this movie i think star wars is a huge influence and in that those movies obviously had made lucas a ton of money he was a multi-billion billionaire at this stage in 1988 because of those movies so obviously he's in, he's influenced by his own films um there's some biblical inf influence which i'll get to in a second um i think there's some old testament in here and there's a lot of influence from like you said tolkien and another kind of high fantasy type things so um the very first thing we, we see is there is an evil sorceress queen babmorda and she th there's a prophecy that comes across that a, a, a particular child is going to be born and that would bring about her downfall downfall which is i think very b biblically inspired mm -hmm. you know think, yes. think jesus basically um and she ends up trying to kill all the firstborns all the all the children or whatever in, in the in the world to keep this prophecy from happening again very biblical um, a woman has a child that has this spe specific birthmark on its arm, I think it is, or shoulder. Arm. Uh, the shoulder, inside yeah. of her arm. The inside of her okay, arm. Okay, that's right. And uh, so we know that that's like the chosen one. And so they, the mother says, hey, we have to take this baby away. Of course, at first the mother refuses, but then says, okay, as long as my child can live. Uh, in kind of a dark moment, the mother is executed, um, but the Bad. baby's... Yeah, the baby survives. Um, there's a midwife that basically takes the baby and then um, puts it in, in a basket and sends the basket down the river. Have you heard this story before? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Moses and yep. uh, basically the, the baby goes down uh, to the river and lands at the uh, titular character's farm, uh, Willow's farm, mm -hmm. and um, basically is taken in by this Nelwyn family. So the Nelwyns are uh, basically like the dwarves of, of this high fantasy kind of world. Um, that's the end of the first paragraph. Anything to say about that section? <laughs> no, um, I thought you're exactly right. Um, the biblical thing. Um, now, um, Moses, uh, the uh, Moses's mother knew the direction she was sending the baby down the river. Uh, kind of knew what you know had had, a, had a, could see ahead oh, yeah. where where the baby was going to go to. This situation, this lady, this uh, midwife, right? She was basically just like, "I'm hoping for the best here. Maybe the baby will end up not dead from these demon dogs or whatever these things are." Which right. are those animals? Those are just dogs with these costumes on, which made me laugh. Yeah, I, I had to uh, look that up because I was like, that looks like a real dog. And um, it's it's true. They use Rottweilers. Um, do you think PETA nowadays would allow that? That's interesting. I don't know. Um, I mean, if there's, there's risk of harm, yeah. I think there's a couple things. Well, there's definitely risk of overheating because the dog sure. already has fur on. Now let's put another layer of fur and make yep. them run a bunch. Yep, that's true. Uh, I think that I think I think that you there's a couple things in this movie, and we'll get to the other one later in the movie. Um, uh, that has to do with the baby, but like uh, that part of it, I watched those dogs. I'm like, man, I don't think Peter would let this happen now at all. Yeah, that's a good point. So anyway, 
It was because of that there are, and that's not the only example of this, but there are several things that happened in this movie that is, are weird to go back and watch now because I just don't see them. And maybe this would, could, this other example that I just came to mind would, would actually happen in movies today. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but um, the, the baby, the baby in this film is played by twins. Like mm-hmm. so many TV shows and movies, um, it's not just the Olsen twins. Like they, they did that for every baby basically right. back then. Yeah. Um, and, and nowadays too. But the baby spends more than half of the movie, not just crying, but like screaming. Oh on, yeah. And, on and, set. And, oh buddy. Hey, this is the other thing. I was going to hit it now. Um, I, and, and it, I don't know that I was appalled by it more like, <sighs> am I missing something? Is right. there some Hollywood magic trick that I'm not seeing? I know they talked about uh, where I read, they talked about a, um, an, some sort of like an animatronic uh, doll type thing they use in some sequences. But when oh. you're seeing that baby cry, they're la- they've got the baby, I'm spoiler alert here, but they're laying the baby in this, uh, essentially this big dish to sacrifice something. Yeah. I mean, the baby is crying at full volume. The baby is wrapped up tight. In this yeah. like thing, they literally use a Bowie knife, like a hunting knife, to cut. Like they're like an inch away from the baby's head, and yeah. they cut a, ha- a hair off it. I'm just like, and there's one point where it's like raining, and the baby is out in the rain yep, with the rain on the. Ba- I'm like, directly I, on the baby. What yep. is happening? Like, <laughs> like I, I'm like, how do they even do this without the baby making the baby cry? Like so weird yeah. like that's one yeah, of those now, nowadays, you just, nowadays you could just cgi that stuff and make it look like a baby or something like that or cgi the, at least the rain but uh, I, but yeah i mean back then it was just all practical like i just find hollywood cool. like hollywood <laughs> is weird man hollywood does stuff and and you and i on our other podcast horror movie podcast we've talked about that a lot where hollywood will do stuff and you're like man that's that's kind of wicked like horrible <laughs> and like i don't know that i don't know maybe what i'm seeing is not really what's happening in right. this movie with that baby, but holy crap, like, man, that, that to me I was would, appalling. I would say half of the scenes that the baby is in, it's screaming or crying. And um, yeah, I, that's a lot of distress on the baby. Obviously it's the baby and it's not even going to remember any of that. Um, but I, I did, I did find that to be something that is true, true of the eighties. That's probably not true now. Like that. You're not going to see that as much in movies now. Right. Um, so yeah, it was very yeah. interesting. Pretty great. Pretty crazy. Um, so one of the, uh, if not the next scene that we see, there's basically a um, festival that's going on and um, th- there are hundreds, literally. And I-, I looked this up. The This movie actually set the record, maybe still holds it, for the most um, most little people hired for a film um and for you know to be on set for a film there there was they're, they're estimating i think it was warwick davis was interviewed recently about this he estimated that there was some something between 225 to 240 uh little people that were that were called upon to be in this film and wow. i think most of them are in this festival scene but uh, like th- th- there's no CGI going on here. Like when, when that festival starts up and it's literally just as far back as you can see in the shot, there are 
um people of st- short stature all over that area i was like this is awesome like i, I don't cool. think i'd ever yeah. I, I don't think i'd seen anything like it before and um it's it's i mean it's true that up in ni- as of 1988 this was the first time that this had ever been done with that kind of numbers i think the previous film that held that record was kind of wizard of oz right wizard of oz yeah because of the munchkins but um yeah they uh and by the way george lucas wanted to originally call this movie munchkins right. That was his, like original treatment was going to be much <laughs> funny to think about. Yeah. But he like, again, that he like, like you're talking about at the top of the show, like kind of researching appropriate terms and, and not, you know, like, like that's interesting that that was his take on it, but whatever. Yeah. So. And, and George Lucas obviously had a good relationship with this community because he had hired a lot of them for not just R2D2, but like, um, uh, all the Ewoks and stuff from um, you know his movie from just five years pr- prior, and including Warwick Davis was in that movie. So, um, by the way, Warwick Davis was seventeen when he shot this movie. Wow! Um, yeah, not, he's basically a kid, and and he's he's uh, portrayed as an adult father, but he's he's not even eighteen years old in this yeah. movie. Um, and then, um, so that would mean that would have have made him eleven or twelve in the Return of That's the Jedi. That's crazy movie yeah very interesting so um yeah he's warwick davis is older than you think he is um like uh at, like his current age right now i think is he's 50 um and uh, still with us uh, thankfully so yeah it's it's just very interesting that they employed uh that number of people for this um for this not just that shot but like multiple shots over the course of the film so uh, it was really really cool mm-hmm. um so and then we uh, kind of see the scene where Willow is doing like a magic trick in, in front of everybody, and it's played off for laughs because he he pulls off the magic trick and you know just dis- makes this pig disappear on this mm-hmm. table. But then you hear you know the squealing of the pig, and the pig runs out from under the table, and everyone laughs at him. But it's it's kind of meant to set up this idea that he is this this uh sorcerer wannabe like he's kind of like a, a low level conjurer of magic and he can kind of do a few tricks but uh he really wants to be like you know a big wizard um yeah. but uh probably not going to happen especially because everyone's laughing at him when he tries to do anything magical yeah he so. um the uh guy he's trying to impress is billy barty uh is the the actor's name and billy uh-huh. barty played uh gwildor in the uh, he-man movie uh, you remember the oh. live action He Man movie? He played Gwildor in that movie. But he also like he had been an actor since like nineteen like thirty something. Billy Barty, okay. the guy that plays the uh, magician, the main mag- magician in town. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Pretty cool. So he said he was he was uh, born in the nineteen thirties. Yeah, he's he was an actor for a long, 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 long time. So yeah, so yeah, he would have been. He died in the year two thousand. Okay. Yeah, Billy had- Barty. Yeah, he and he was. I think I thought he was great. We'll, we'll get to him in a second, but like, I I just think he his character is really funny um, in this movie. So, um, but yeah, um, basically the festival is broken up when this um, what do you call him? Demon dog? Is that what they're called? I just called him that because it was like it, this big hairy thing with a weird looking rat tail and all furry. Obviously, it was a dog with a costume on him, and they turned him yeah. loose and. Who knows? So. The, the fact that it was like a real dog, and again, something we we just CGI that now. But the fact that it was a real dog and moved like a real dog made made that you know this um, devil hounds like super real. Like I, I thought it looks pretty pretty uh, 
vicious and like they even have an attack i don't know if they put some like food on an object or something like that to make this dog like attack this um beam or something like that i can't remember mm-hmm. or maybe it's maybe it's meat or something like that but he like goes after this thing and like passes on it and it looks really really real so but lucas and industrial light magic they're so good at that kind of um at those action scenes and practical effects and stuff like that mm-hmm. um somehow they determined that it, that this dog is after a baby i didn't really um catch how they figured that out yeah I, that right there they um <laughs> they, they definitely stretched it how do we show these dogs or after something at one point he held up a baby like i don't know assuming it was a bassinet or like a rocking thing or something uh-huh. and uh it goes oh this these dogs were after a baby yeah what how i was like how do we know that did we see it attack a baby like i saw yeah, it run past a lot of babies <laughs> or yeah, like young no. young children <laughs> yeah anyway i found that to be interesting too so um and so basically the high alt one which is the character that you were talking about a second ago, yeah, billy barty billy barty um he just you know um oh he's he's like okay you know basically has anyone seen a baby <laughs> and so then um will has to come forward and confess and say okay yes we picked up this baby you know came to us uh, by fate basically on this river and we have it now and basically the high wall was like we gotta get that baby out of town and so um you know uh, the daikinis are basically the humans character the human characters in this world and so he he says it's a it's a it's a, a daikini a human baby we need to get back to the daikinis and so um, they have this big kind of town hall meeting where everyone kind of gets together and all the elders, wherever it's assumed are kind of going to decide like, okay, who's, who's going to be part of this party. It's very, um, Lord of the Rings ask, you know, we got to get the team together to, to go on this, um, quest, this epic quest. And so they, uh, one of the funny, funny parts of this scene is like the high old one is like this <clears throat> highly magical, uh, person and actually like at one point um calls three perspective pr- we kind of skipped over the scene but during the festival calls pr- three perspective magic conjurers together and tries to see if the- he's going to have an apprentice this year willow is one of those perspective ones and then ends up getting turned down because he doesn't come up with the right answer for his mm-hmm. for his puzzle and then um and so you're like, oh man, this guy is like all powerful. He's, he's Gandalf, you know? And then there's this scene in front of the whole elders, whatever, where he, he's like, um, he's like, I'm, I must consult the bones. And he yeah, takes, he like, throws this- the bones, man. <laughs> like he definitely rolls the bones. And, and he I was goes, like, oh man, this is cool. Yeah. He goes, they tell me nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like literally one way. Like, yeah. They tell me nothing. What, <laughs> what, uh, what did he say? Have you done, what have you done? Yeah. He's, I Basically, can't remember what. I can't remember what he, what he, he like bends down and whispers only so that Warwick. That, he's basically, uh, this is on you. Out. Yeah. What yeah. have you done? You basically, this is on you. You're going to have to take this baby to, uh, to Mount Doom. Yeah. And so, and so Willow says, yeah, I'm, I can take the baby or whatever. And then, and then he stands, uh, stands up fully erect and, and says, uh, the bones have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. I, I really like his character a lot. Cause, um, there's, there's moments where, and it is so genius because this actually comes into play for the main plot as well. You think it's just kind of a, a silly kind of side scene that doesn't really have much to do with the the, the movie as a whole but right. it absolutely absolutely does because he gives right before he sends willow we're jumping ahead a little bit he he gives willow some 
uh, acorns. He says, these are magical acorns. I can turn anything to stone. But at that point, you've seen him try a couple magic tricks that fail. And so the entire movie, you're like, are those acorns going to do anything? And like, even like um, Mad Mad Mardigan, which is um, Val Kilmer's character, like he even doubts that they're going to do anything. Yes. Right. So I love I loved that. That was genius to me because you're you're trained from the first ten minutes of this movie to already kind of look at the high Aldman with a, a side eye of like I'm not sure this guy's on the level, <laughs> and, and it was just it was good for laughs, but it was also good for the movie's main plot. So right on. that was that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, um. So they they get a team of of guys together. There's I think. Uh, it seemed like there were six of them, six or seven of them. Yeah, the best uh, warrior in town, the second best warrior in town, his other friend of, who was going to be the first person to go with him on the trip. Um, yeah. And so uh, that's pretty fun. Uh, pretty fun deal. So good group. Yeah. Um, so it starts out with like six or seven guys. They it seemingly don't have to go very far to get to – uh, the, what they call the Daikini Crossroads. It's basically the a main thoroughfare uh, where several different species might, you know, cross in the middle of. And they're like, this is a, a perfect place. We'll be able to pick up a Daikini on the crossroads just traveling through and we'll f- just find someone that would be willing to take this baby. Right. And, and so, can, yeah. So they get there and um, surprisingly enough, there's no, there are no, um, you actually don't see anyone for a while and, and you think, oh, this is maybe kind of a dead crossroads area. But then that, that's when we're introduced to Mad Mardigan, who, at least for me, is my favorite character in the movie. Yeah. I, I really liked him even from the very beginning. Um, he is the Han Solo of this movie. Yeah, right. Make Star Wars right. comparisons. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the, the thief, smuggler, ne'er-do-well guy that ends up being, you know, part of the big resistance at the end. Um, very, very much Han Solo or, or just Harrison Ford in general. He kind of has that swagger to him. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I've seen Val Kilmer in very stoic roles in other movies, even movies are around this time. And he has never really impressed me. But in this movie, for some reason, I just really, I think it's the silly nature of some of his um boasting and kind of braggadocious swagger that he has that makes him really endearing where he's obviously a total tool at times, but then he's also a really fierce warrior as well. And the fact that you are first introduced to him in this crows, this black crows cage all locked up and, and very vulnerable and needing help. I, from the very beginning, I I just really liked him a lot. And, um, and so we're introduced to to him here. Um, so he, um, he definitely, like you said, he is definitely Han Solo. He has um, a real swagger about him. Once he once he gets rehydrated, I feel like it took him a while to get rehydrated <laughs> and get and get his senses back. Because I, I, how maddening would it be to be in a cage as people wander by uh, mm-hmm. next to a uh, there's a skeleton in the other cage next to him. So they don't clean those cages out very often, obviously. <laughs> uh, and so. Um, Man, and what what do you have to do to be stuck in one of those cages at the crossroads? Yeah, they they don't. I don't know that they say it specifically, but um, his friend, like his like war buddy, um, uh, dri- uh, rides by on his horse at one point, and even he's not willing to to help him out of that cage. So <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever he did, it was pretty bad. What was really cool was that um, visually, I thought this was really neat. The um, they're at the crossroads. Val Kilmer's talking. And then um, Mad Mardigan, he's talking to to Willow, 
and Willow's like, here, oh, here comes some, here comes some people. And the first thing, the, the first thing that comes riding through are obviously, oh, uh, they're obviously messengers or people like that for the, for the, for the place that the big army is marching to. Cause there's two riders that come riding through super fast and they don't slow down for, uh, Willow at all. Yeah. And then, um, he comes riding through. And so then, then this big army comes up and I thought it was really cool visually that gigantic army marching uh, through there was just like, it looked like hundreds and hundreds of people from a distance. Yeah. Yeah. But then when they got closer, I don't know if you realized or saw this, but that exchange between Mad Mardigan and the red haired guy, that's his friend. It really only lasted like, I don't know what, <laughs> two minutes and the yeah. entire army and the entire <laughs> army had marched by, by the end of it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, there must not have been as many people as we thought in that army. <laughs> it looked like, it looked like a lot of people like it literally to me looked <laughs> yeah. like just a sea of people walking by and uh anyway whatever so that's really funny yeah um so yeah it, at first like the the full party like all six or seven of these now wins basically say um just just give the baby to to med mardigan i don't even think they say get him out of the cage <laughs> it was like just hand off the baby to this right. guy in the cage right. and, and and our our deal is done we're you know our we've made our peace and we'll just go back home and of course willow and me gosh was just kind of like his 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 best yeah, friend he wants to do right and wants to help his friend out so yeah he's um frodo's friend i can't remember his name um, uh, sam weiss ganji yeah he's he's basically sam weiss yeah so um they they said no we're we can't do that we're gonna spend the night the rest of them actually just go home so for the rest of the movie the only no ones you you see are i mean it's mainly willow to be honest but uh, Migosh is the only other one that kind of sticks around. And so, yeah, basically that whole army goes through. And then at that point, there's nobody else coming on the horizon and they can't just stay there forever. I think the milk is running low for the baby. And so, well, uh, I was just like, ah, just, just give the baby to uh, Mad Martigan. So he they, knows. They, yeah. they get free him, get him out of the cage, hand the baby over to him and say, Hey, you know, either take care of this baby or find someone who will. Please take and care of that baby. Yeah, and they they turn around and start heading heading back to their village. Um, then, at that point, the baby actually—we don't know that we see this on camera, if I remember—but the baby is stolen by a group of brownies. So, I, were you familiar with brownies? Did, are they like a—is okay, that a thing so outside that's of this? Got to be a saying. Um, that's got to be a saying uh, for small uh, creatures like that uh okay. because it's it's very it's thrown around pretty pretty, pretty like it's an, a common term let's yeah. do a little google search here uh let me see what they are yeah i i just, I just looked it up it's it is british folklore yeah uh and goes back the scots used to call them brownies and then it kind of evolved into brownies eventually it's like but, a little house elf yeah yeah it kind of reminds me of um in harry potter the dobby yeah, it's a lot yeah, like Dobby. It's like Dobby. Now, now, Dobby is obviously much, much bigger than these. So this yeah. is a, a more diminutive version of, of yes. the traditional. But yeah, I guess brownies is a thing. I'd never heard of it before. But of course, we're not British. So. No, we are not British. <laughs> if you couldn't tell. No, we are not. Um, so anyway, these brownies, which I don't know how you feel. I, I didn't love the brownies. I, th- I think they are kind of... The droids! I, they are the C-3PO in R2-D2 yeah, they're, of this. They're Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas loves this. Lucas has a formula, and the part of the formula is a comic relief, and this is the comic right. relief. Right. 
I did love seeing Kevin Polak as one of them. Yeah, he's and, good, yeah. It, he's so funny to me. Obviously, a big um, SNL guy, but um, I had not seen Kevin Pollock in a long time, and so and obviously he had an era of of films that he was in. Um, I don't mean, is he still with us? He has a about? podcast. Last time I knew, he had a pretty oh really podcast at one point. If I remember right, I think it's called like Kevin. It's called a Kevin Pollock Show. Kevin Pollock. Yep, he's still with us. Um, he's not even that old. Um, Honestly, the the main thing that I, when I see Kevin Pollock, the main thing I think of is A Few Good Men because I, I loved that movie growing up when I was in high school. I watched it a lot, like a lot, a lot. Uh-huh. Um, and so when I saw him, I was like, oh, it's the guy from uh, A Few Good Men. But he obviously has done, you know, a bunch of other, um, was it SNL that he was on? Did I say that wrong? I, I don't know that he is, but I know. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, he's been on a lot of stuff, so. Um, but he is hilarious and I thought he was really good in this. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's been thinking of Rob Schneider. He looks a little bit like Rob Schneider, but he's not Rob Schneider. I'm looking him up. He, he's done some stand-up comedy, but, uh, no, he was not a part of SNL. I don't know why. Uh, most recently he's on the marvelous, uh, the marvelous Mrs. Meisel, Meisel, which is a big show on Amazon. So I, I find him to be very funny. Like I, I just, yeah, I really, really like his, his sense of humor and his demeanor, uh, and the kind of like a French kind of accent that, that they kind of put on throughout this movie. I thought was really, really, uh, entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, characters and their importance to the story it's basically zero and there are really only a few scenes that they have any kind of influence in and so they're basically throwaway characters for me i i got a few chuckles from a few scenes that they were in but otherwise could have done without them um i I thought they were just kind of um secondary so maybe even tertiary well (laughs) and and that cgi that, that, that 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 they used for those two characters it really looks like green screen at times. Like it's very oh, much yeah. <laughs> like, like this doesn't look that real. So, yeah. Um, there, another movie kind of of this era, I, I think around this era, I didn't look it up is um, the Indian in the cupboard. I don't know if you ever grew up watching that. Oh movie, yeah. But, I watched it. It's great. Um, it reminded me a lot of Indian in the cupboard. I liked it. it. Kind of that, yeah. That kind of thing. Um, so anyways, uh, they, the baby gets stolen by brownies, um, not delicious chocolate brownies, but mm, you know, I wish people that we've been talking about and they, uh, chase the brownies and get trapped, but they're rescued by the fairy queen, uh, Cherlandria, 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 I think is how you pronounce it. She tells Willow that basically what the prophecy is. So this baby is Alora Dannon, as they call her for the rest of the movie. And she is going to overthrow Bab Morta and become the future empress of Tyr Asling, which is like, I guess like a, a rival city or, or a nation or something. Like yeah. That. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. A, lot the, a lot of that's never explained. Yeah. Right. It doesn't, it, it's, doesn't really matter. Well, so much. It's kind of almost a backstory, but not a backstory. It's like in the forefront, but it's like, uh, it's, you know, the whole point is to get Willow, get Willow over basically to make him a hero. So yeah, it, this is a crucial, this is a crucial scene because, um, Trilindria gives her wands to Willow and says, you know, I'm giving you, this is basically the Luke Skywalker. Here's your lightsaber. Um, yeah. you know, b- become what you were destined to be. Right. Um, kind of, kind of moment. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, he, he says, you know, we got to get Alora, just get her to tear Asling and everything will be okay. And so that becomes the mission from that, fo- that, that point forward at that point, you're kind of like, okay, is this the end? Is this the last time we're going to see, um, 
uh, Mad Mardigan, but obviously he kind of has a change of heart and he goes, eh, I, I think I'm in for this quest. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> go, go with all this. So, uh, so now it's, it's a team of just a few of them um, that are going forward. Uh, Willow actually sends Migosh home at this point. So it's really just the brownies and uh, Frangine and, and Rule are the brownies and then Willow and Mad Mardigan that go from this point forward. And they are in search of a sorceress, which is Rizel. I think that's how you pronounce it, Finn Rizel. And they, um, oh, then there's like this um, kind of played off for laughs scene. It's actually kind of a side deal. It doesn't really have a ton to do with, with the whole, the, the movie as a whole. But do you remember, there's like a scene where like Lug is like this big dude and, and I think, yeah, they were actually separated from Mad Mardigan. They find him in a tavern, and he's kind yes. of in the middle middle of this uh, three way tr- love, love triangle. triangle. Yeah, <laughs> to, well, to he, keep it PG. <laughs> right. Well, he um, uh, gets caught with another man's wife. Has yeah. to, of course, has to dress up as a woman to get out. Right. <laughs> um, um, so uh, good times. Yeah. Um, yeah, at one point they're like, you know, what are you doing? You know, get out of here kind of thing. And so that basically becomes the um, the turning point for, for Mad Mardikin where he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go with you guys and get out of, get out of Dodge because obviously Lug is about to kill him. Mm-hmm. So um, they meet up, the this team meets up with Rizel and, um, but find out that she's been transformed into this possum by Bab Morda. And mm-hmm. really the, for the rest of the movie, she kind of assists them, kind of uh, goes with them and becomes part of their party. Mm-hmm. But it's, is obviously wanting to be turned back into an actual uh, Daikini or, you know, human, human, again. human. Yeah. 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 And so, but um, as we know, Willow is not, super great at magic. He's kind of taught a few spells here and there and stuff like that, but doesn't really know how to do it. I think he tries to and ends up, I think the, the laugh with this it becomes that he keeps turning Rizal into other animals. Uh-huh, he's, exactly. Uh-huh. He's trying to get her into a, a back into her human. And then, uh, then we go into an action sequence that I thought was pretty good. It was actually, I think one of my, um, one of the funnest, sequences for me and that's the snowboard or the snow uh okay. sledding scene yes and i thought that was really cool because like in, in the 80s the 80s did a good job of showing you a fun thing wouldn't this be fun yes. wouldn't this be so much fun if you as the kid watching this yes. were able to do this you're gonna sled down a mountain and at one point what do you see the here comes the little cliff thing a little jump up and it's like on, uh, it's like on family uh, Christmas vacation. Whenever Clark jumps yes. the uh, sled too, <laughs> yeah, <sighs> he jumps. <laughs> ah, the snow's coming. <laughs> Willow and Bad- and Mad Mardigan uh, do this as well, and it was freaking uh, great. You're right. This is one of my favorite things. <laughs> I turned to Amanda and I said, "Is this is a fun, really fun part of the movie right here?" Because it is like when you were a kid and you saw it, you'd it's be like, "Man, wouldn't that be awesome to get to do that?" <laughs> yeah cool. yeah it was great I, I i love how they basically like turn the shield into basically like a sled and um go down you know uh <laughs> much to you know what against what would actually happen in reality the baby survives this without a scratch <laughs> which yeah. i thought was really funny to watch but, exactly um but yeah they make it all the way down this massive mountain and uh they're all okay it was i thought very endearing to watch 
Val Kilmer and Warwick Davis kind of um, almost, you know, you know, obviously Warwick Davis is a 17 year old, almost adult at this point, but because of his short stature, like he, he looks very childlike. And so like he's got Val Kilmer has got his arms wrapped around his, his stomach and they're kind of going down this, this mountain together, uh-huh. kind of like a, a father and a son would. Uh-huh. I, yep. I thought that was really, really fun to watch. Um, yes. Really so, cool. And anyway, <laughs> so they get down to the bottom and they, uh, there's uh, another funny scene which I thought was actually kind of clever the way that they did it. But the the only the one thing that the brownies can do is they can do this like love potion thing, which they call it. Um, what was it? I wrote it down. Dust, dust of broken hearts. Uh huh. Is that right? And, it, and yeah, and it worked out something along those lines. I can't remember, but I remember him uh, being falling in love with the uh, with the evil sorceress, uh, whatever she is. Yeah, so up until this point, obviously, they're, they're, we skipped over it kind of, but there's a scene where Mad Mardigan has a run-in with the, um, oh man, I don't remember her name, but like the big bad, it's like the daughter of this, the evil yeah. sorceress that's yeah. coming coming to get the baby. And so they have this run-in, obviously, Mad Mardigan immediately hates her, but then there's this moment where I guess she is in this village that they kind of sledded into. And so they, he, I think accidentally gets hit with this love potion, this, this Mm -hmm. dust of broken hearts. And see, the first thing he sees, well, the first thing he sees is an animal or something, which is kind of weird. And then he sees her, this girl that's been chasing, hunting them, and mm-hmm. immediately falls in love. Oh, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, and tries to woo her. And she's like, who are you? Get out of here. And they end up uh, leaving. But that becomes, um, you know, an interesting precedence for what happens later in the movie where they actually truly fall in love. But right. um, uh, let's see. Then what happens next? Do you remember? It does. It does set the uh, tone for them to um, have a relationship later. Uh, kind of funny that they did that because you you needed to have a love interest for Val Kilmer, and you needed to have some way for um, them to be able to actually get to the evil, wicked sorceress at the end. And uh, that's pretty good storytelling, really, to figure out a way through the uh, story to make those ends meet up. So I thought yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah, Sorsha, Sorsha is her name. Sorsha become, kind of becomes this... Um, she's not f- full Princess Leia because Princess Leia was always good. And she makes this turn where she is a bad character that ends up you know, uh, flipping sides. It's actually prophesied that she's going to do this, but she ends up betraying her mother and ends up fighting against her mother towards the end of the movie, uh, directly even. And so she, I, as, there's almost no backstory that that's another negative things. There's a lot of things that are just kind of glossed over and fast forwarded in this movie. But one of the things is she has a change of heart and she ends up fighting for the, the rebel Alliance, so to speak. And she, um, this character that, that the Han Solo character immediately disliked, like Han Solo really kind of hates Princess Leia at first, ends up becoming like the love of his life later. And so there's another Star Wars tie in there right. for you. But um, right. uh, yeah, so this is where it starts though, is that, that kind of love potion. Uh, yeah. Love potion you see. And, and this actually, it's actually a ways into the movie, but again, it's a pretty long movie. So um, there's still plenty of time for them to flesh out their love uh, interests. <laughs> Yeah. So um, at one point, uh, Willow and Mad Mardigan take. 
Oh, no, it's right here, actually, that they take Sorsha hostage. It's kind of after, after this love wooing scene. They take her hostage, and um, uh, they're, like, escorting her away or whatever. I don't, I'm not sure what they're, they're going to do with her. They just can't let her go and, for some reason, don't feel like they can kill her. And so they... Um, uh, she escapes from them and she's going to go straight to general kale who again to do a star wars tie-in is basically the darth vader um he's like the big menacing dude in the mask um that is trying to kill the rebels and so she's going to escape and tell kale where they're headed which is to tear asleen they uh meanwhile the party arrive at, at, at the castle at Tyr Aslane, and you think that it's going to be this big coming home of like okay that we've arrived we've accomplished our mission the baby is now where the baby needs to be in order to make, to fulfill the prophecy. And basically there's nobody home. There's, it's just completely abandoned. It's been overrun by trolls, which are yes. these really cool. I liked their telling of trolls. Like normally when you think of a troll, you think of something that's like seven foot tall and ugly as sin and just like, you know, really brute, you know, brutish and stuff like that. Or troll pounds. dolls. Or, or troll yeah. dolls. <laughs> or, yes, or the Trolls movie. Yeah. Uh, yes. Very small and, and very uh, full of hair. Yes. But yeah, these these trolls are neither of those. It's kind of like a, they're kind of, they to me like look like they're maybe four feet tall, four and a half feet tall, and they can stick to walls and like even like yeah. the bottom, the underside of a bridge. I thought that was really cool. That looked really good, the, the way that they shot that. Yeah, it's like a different take on it. Um they're very, uh, they're not, uh, they're not an intelligent creature other than just being able to take things over, I guess, in masses, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, they, at this point, Sorsh has gotten to General Kale, um, and there's, it's about to be a big confrontation because now General, the General and his army knows where these guys are, and it basically is going to turn into just the four of them. Um, I mean, the brownies don't really count, but <laughs> the two of them uh, versus this massive army of, of people. Well, it gets even more complicated because right before the general kale and his army invades the trolls also attack so now it becomes like this three-way fight the trolls versus um the good guys the you know the no one and the daikini and and then of course this massive army of soldiers and um i thought the coolest part probably everyone's favorite part of this movie is this um massive two-headed dragon scene and i don't it, it's never explained how this works but it it becomes it's like birthed out of this no does he turn he does he turn a troll and he troll turns a troll into accidentally into the egg for this dragon it, it was so weird the sequence yeah so, I, I i don't really yeah i don't think it really fits together but it also is one of those where it's uh he take he so movie willow movie, i guess yeah willow takes his wands and he he tries to do this thing and of course we know that he's not very good at conjuring so he conjures the spell and this troll basically like crumples up into this almost like brain like sphere yes. and then that sphere rolls off the the falls bridge, into the water yes. goes into the water and then out of this egg I, i'm assuming it's an egg comes this massive you know 40 feet tall, 50 yeah, feet tall. Yeah, he just conjured it wrong. Uh, you know what? The uh, dragon is called Ebersisk, and it's for yeah. um, Siskel and Ebert. Did you read right. that? Yeah, I read it's about like an that. an homage yeah. to Siskel and Ebert, which is really funny to me. Yeah, I think it's, was it Ron? It's either Ron, or, Ron Howard or George Lucas, but one of them, their favorite their favorite movie reviewers were Siskel and Ebert back in the ni- 1980s, and so cool. they lovingly named it Ebersisk. Yeah, Ebersisk. I read that too. 
that's pretty cool. Cool. Um, I don't know about you, but I was actually pretty impressed with the CGI of this. It, it of course, it's industrial light and magic, so there's a lot of comparisons to make. But I, I thought it, re- it reminded me a lot of is it Return of the Jedi where uh, Luke has to he goes Had the to, Rancor. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it he, was very much like the Rancor monster. Um, I, but it was looked, it quite, I, thought, I thought it looks better than the, the Rancor, but it's also five years later. Right. Uh, was it was it part claymation? I don't know. Maybe it kind of looks like clay the way that they do it. Um, I would have to look and see what we're even looking at here. Uh, looking. It's obviously not, so. I mean, I think if I, she's not nowhere near old enough to watch this movie. But when Jordan, my three-year-old, is old enough to watch this movie, you know, when she's much much older, uh, I wonder what she'll think of the CGI. I think she, to her, it's probably going to look very jaggedy like not smooth animation at all which it's it's true it's not very smooth and i think she would probably also criticize it as feeling out of place with the uh, the rest of the shot so there there's a discoloration that i think they had to do with the cgi i don't know the the technical details of it maybe someone listening to this podcast can can fill us in but i think it is it is a little jarring the way that it's um, placed next to the rest of the shot, which looks very real, and then right. this looks kind of almost kind of grayed out, like mm-hmm. there's a, t- a tone difference, a color tone difference. Um, but if you can look past the kind of the the jaggedness of the of the movement, and then also the color tone of the object, mm-hmm. I think it looks pretty real. And the the scenes where it's like in one chomp is like devouring trolls and and humans and stuff like that, um, I thought it was very menacing. I, I I thought this scene was actually really exciting to watch. I liked um, it. I liked the sword through the top of the head of yes. the uh, dragon, and then his head exploding was pretty cool yes. too. And then yes. it—I um, didn't know what would happen to the other head of the dragon whenever the one head blew up and off, but the other one died too. Didn't know that. So now you know a little bit about dragon biology. <laughs> if there's the two-headed dragon, you just got to kick. You just got to get rid of one of the heads. Yeah, this isn't a um, cut off one head and another one will grows back. <laughs> that, yeah. that was another thing too. I'm surprised it didn't grow back. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I thought a really exciting battle. You get to see Mad Mardigan kind of at his best um, in several parts of this. Not just him jumping on the neck and, and slaying this massive beast, but mm-hmm. um, he ends up killing a lot of those dudes, those soldiers. Like towards the beginning of the film, he kind of you know, very assertively and braggadociously states, he's like, I'm one of the best swordsmen there is. And you All don't right. really know if that he's been actually truthful about that because this guy's obviously a scumbag. Exactly. But he, it turns out that he's pretty good with a sword and right. he ends up taking a lot of them out during this <laughs> scene. So it was, it was pretty cool to watch that. There is one shot and I, I, I'm sure it exists on YouTube. I did not go looking for it. There's one shot where he's like, ascending up some stairs or this might be the, the final fight scene but he's ascending up some stairs up into this tower and he's being pursued by a sh- soldier and he turns around and he like high kicks this guy with his foot and it, he misses his face by a mile <laughs> like it, it's literally like a foot away from maybe 12 inches away from his face and the guy <laughs> like <laughs> just goes <Nailed> it. And they have the um, industrial light magic I'm sure is doing all this but like they had like the you know the you know kind of sound like sound effect yeah. of being uh-huh. kicked in the face yep. so but by the way I think a lot of the again this is other Lucas stuff but the um, the punt the the uh, what do you call it Foley work the yep. the 
the sound effect of being punched in the face is straight out of Indiana Jones, man. It is, I, I think they use the exact same audio file um, for, for this movie. It, I'm it's sure. Sound, I, and I love it. Like I being a huge Indiana Jones fan, I'm sure like most people grew up in the eighties, mm-hmm. like that, that, that sound effect to me is like the, the, uh, the top tier, like the, the, the go-to <laughs> kind of punch, face punch sounds. Right. And, and they used it throughout the, these fight scenes. So I love that. Um, so yeah, at, at one point, um, Eric and his army come in and they're kind of turning the tide of the battle, taking a lot of these bad guys too. And so now it's not just the three of them or two of them, plus the brownies that are basically totally ineffective. And, um, and Eric and his army kind of go and it's basically this big battle, but unfortunately it ends up where, um, Sorsha, no, Sorsha betrays them at, during this whole scene. And, uh, general what's his name takes the baby and kale is, Keel. what's his name kale yeah it's a kale what i think it's probably name? kale general kale yeah <clears throat> he takes the baby they capture the baby and uh take it back to um Nakmar, which is the the big castle thing for right. uh bev morta so then going into the final scene or the final big scene of the movie, um, it's basically army versus army. This is very Lord of the Rings, very Star Wars. We're, we're going to just throw all of the, the fighters in for one massive fight scene at the end. Uh, it is very Star Wars at the end too, because like while this big um, war is going on down below, the main characters are, are having this like throne room fight, yeah. uh, which yeah. is basically the end of Return of the Jedi. Well, um, and it's also, also the end of... Um uh rise of skywalker we watched rise of skywalker yeah true oh no last night watched it last night and um i mean exactly the same thing which is cool i'm i'm okay with that too i'm okay with that too yeah i should have said that at the beginning like there are there are at least a dozen star wars comparisons and i think unfortunately i think people were harder on that stuff back in the 80s because i read a couple just a couple of one-liner reviews and people in the 80s were pretty harsh on this movie because they felt like it was a direct copy of star wars like that they were just basically trying to take that plot and just put it in a high fantasy setting and then just milk money from it and um i don't know that that's necessarily fair I, i think there are certain stories that are timeless and are worth telling in different settings over and over again uh, and putting their own spin on it. And it's unfortunate that George Lucas came up with both, both stories. Yes. But that doesn't make this a bad story just because right. uh, there's a lot of influence from star Wars. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't hate that stuff. I, in fact, I think thought of it. So some of it was kind of endearing. Um, so the, the big, scene at the end is basically Rizel. So um, he finally, after all this time, Willow finally succeeds in turning Rizel back to a human again. And she's this old woman, um, very similar in age to Bab Morda. And she ends up get, basically getting Rizel and Bab Morda in the same room together. And it becomes, again, not no slight at all. I, I mean, it's positively. It is basically Luke Skywalker versus Emperor Palpatine at the right. end of this movie. Yeah, and, and they're, uh, they're they're even using the force. Like at one point, Rizelle like uh, calls her, she loses her wand and she calls it back to her hand, <laughs> like kind of a force pull uh, mm-hmm. back into her hand and basically exchange fire for force lightning. You know, it's, it's a lot of the same kind of stuff, but I thought, what do you think of this last kind of fight scene? I thought it was, I thought it was one of the cool. highlights of the movie for me. Um, I thought it was yeah. pretty cool. I thought it was a neat uh, thing. Uh, storytelling wise to bring you back around to the beginning 
uh, of the movie whenever uh, uh, Willow is trying to use that uh, just the disappearing pig trick, uses it for the baby. Um, yes. And so I thought that was pretty cool, and it kind of blew the one lady's mind. And then she ends up uh, saying basically Mixelplex, Mixelplex backwards four times. Uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, says the wrong spell at the end, uh, finishes it, and then makes herself disappear. So I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, overall, I mean, I thought it was action-packed and good. And I love a scene that ends with all the main people in the same room at the same time at the end. Uh, because yeah. just as the scene ends, uh, as, just as the you know bad the the bad witch is uh, sent off into this into the stratosphere, uh, Val Kilmer comes busting in the door and is uh, there in perfect timing to be part of the group hug at the end and the high fives. <laughs> yeah, for, for, for all the for all the for all the Wookies to get their uh, <laughs> to get their medals. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are two other I think kind of crucial scenes in this whole. Uh, you know, just raucous, you know, fight scene at the end. Um, the, I thought the Mad, Mad Mardigan versus General Kale was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just kind of their sword play. And then, well, and I um, love General Kale's mask, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Oh, yeah. But, but his mask is very much Skeletor. And I always mm-hmm. thought that was really cool. When I saw that mask, I was like, man, you could absolutely do Skeletor just like this uh, with a mask uh, in a movie. And I would be all in. Because in 1988, I was still, I think I was still into he-man at this point yeah um i thought it was really cool that there's actually a, um kind of the, the way he, they play off general kale is almost invincible and he actually ends up taking a sword uh to the neck which you think he's dead from that but he gets back up then he takes a sword in his gut like just a straight you know parry kind of thrust uh directly into his gut and then he takes a second sword to the gut so he literally has two swords that are not removed from his body, like the two swords in his gut at the same time. And then, uh, but he's still kicking. <laughs> and so then, uh, Mad Morgan has to basically p- push him off the edge of this big, like drawbridge kind of thing. And he falls like, you know, 30 or 40 feet down. And, you know, it's insinuating that he impales himself and just kind of dies from finally from the fall. But, uh, I, I, th- I love stuff like that where it's just like, dude, like, no one is going to be able to take this guy out and it's right. going to take literally multiple sword thrusts in order just to t- finally take this guy down. So right. Pretty cool. I that, that was pretty cool. And um, then how this all starts, I skipped over it, um, but I, actually it was one of my favorite CGI moments was before they actually go into the castle, uh, Bab Morda kind of sh- flexes her muscles uh, her magical muscles a little bit and turns them all into pigs. And I thought this was a super dark. Like, yeah, it was super dark. It was awesome. So like, so cool. Like I, yeah. I, I got to that part. I was like, man, like this looks good now. And I cannot imagine how terrified I would have been watching this as a kid. As a kid, and like the, it would have been, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I was, oh my gosh, nightmare city. Yeah. It looks, it looks pretty real. Um, obviously they're using real pigs as the, the pigs are, you know, fully transformed, fully morphed. Yeah. Um, I, I read that this is actually this 1988's Willow is the first ever, at use of morphing CGI technology where they basically uh, take, they shoot a human on screen 
and cut film, you know, hey, sh- you know, shoot five seconds, cut, and then take that that those frames from the film reel and actually morph the the human person that you see on screen into another object, like actually, you know, morph that person's face into becoming pig-like, you know, that uh, sporting a snout and ears getting big, it's, you know, like like watching that transformation happen on screen that we've seen it done a million times and with better technology, better CGI, better computers, but the back in 1988 this is the first film to ever do it and so um that this movie is important not just from a storytelling standpoint and you know for high fantasy fans and stuff like that but it's also very important from a technical perspective being that it was the first movie in a line of many movies that that uh, dealt with morphine technology so um so yeah pretty interesting cool um Cool. And, and then I guess the very last scene that we need to mention is there's obviously a, a victory celebration. You know, Willow has returned back to Nowin and he is given a magic book to basically help him be like this, you know, the powerful sorcerer that he's always wanted to be. Uh, he's obviously proven himself through all these trials and stuff like that. And um, uh, we see Sorsha and Mad Mardigan you know, remaining together, they're in love, they're going to be together forever and raise Alora basically as their daughter. Uh-huh. And, um, and then the last thing we see is kind of Willow re- reuniting with his family. So he heads back home um, to a hero's welcome that he always wanted. Yeah. yeah. And he so, throws an apple into the air and it turns into a bird and then it uh, poops on that one guy's face that we all hate. <laughs> yeah. There's a, the scene that's um, reminiscing on the scene earlier in the movie where the baby vomits on his face. That was actually CGI vomit in the uh, beginning as well. <laughs> really gross. So, um, yeah, I, really great movie overall. I, like I said, I, I didn't love it because even though we talked about all of our favorite scenes, there are some scenes in here that are like, like literally like a straight three or four minutes where I was just like, oh my God, like why are we talking about this right now? Right, and it's um, long and uh, at times it went on forever and they probably could have got this thing done in an hour and a half if they just cut some things there's uh, a few times when it kind of rambles and you're like, well, uh, I don't know why. And maybe that's just yeah. the way movies were done back then. But man, if you were a little kid watching this movie for two hours in the theater, that's probably one of the reasons it didn't do as well because, I mean, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old that would watch this. And I, I, honestly, a 12-year-old's not going to watch. In 1988, I don't think a 12-year-old would have watched this. Like, I think maybe a 13-year-old uh, wouldn't have watched it either. So like, you have oh, a small... Yeah of people and uh i don't know it's very weird um so I, I could see it being so long that people were like well i can't go back to that because we sat for two hours and my children were screaming the whole time so to be honest it's, it's a movie i'd always wanted to see because I, there was a willow video game um i can't remember it must have come out for nes but um they were or maybe it was in arcades i remember there specifically there being a willow video game and playing that game and going like oh man i wish i could see this movie but uh, my parents wouldn't let me see it and then but then later on like having no interest in seeing it and that carried on into adulthood and i knew it was always a movie that i could see but never really had, had the desire to watch it until just a couple months ago we were talking about movies that are on disney plus that we've never seen and i we i think you mentioned willow you're like hey i haven't seen willow in a long time I'm like i've never seen that movie and it's like why not why not watch it since it just comes with my disney plus service and so um i overall i'm glad i watched it i don't think i'll watch it anytime soon but if jordan's you know 10 or 11 or whatever and we want to let her watch this movie i, I would watch it again what they're at that point um just knowing that i'm not in for like 
you know, the greatest epic fantasy of all time, but, um, but a, a good solid story and some, some memorable moments, good action mm-hmm. scenes and, and um, good characters. So the Willow video game that you referenced from NES looks a lot like uh, Legend of Zelda. Oh, okay. Is it top down? Yeah, it's a, there's a screenshot of it. There's some screenshots online of it. The cover of the game looks really cool because it's got Val Kilmer and Warwick on it and, uh-huh. the, and the horrible queen lady and the bad guy with the skull mask. Um, but yeah, it's got a, uh, I don't, you won't be able to see it on the screen, but it's very much like, it's a screenshot of it. I don't know if I can, you can see it or not. Yeah. You know, that's very, that shot, folks, if you want to Google that, uh, Willow NES game. It looks a lot that like. Does look, it looks a lot Legend like. It's a Zelda. It's a Zelda yeah. ripoff. Yeah. Um, but middle the, uh, seven, basically seven out of ten on the reception of it. Basically, what I'm seeing. So I mean, that's it's a, not the worst, but not not great. But that's actually not not the game, not the version of Willow that I remember. There's actually um, a. I'm looking it up. Yeah. Uh, Did you ever play Gauntlet? This game, this movie reminds me of Gauntlet a lot. Yeah, there is there is a uh, Google Willow arcade game. Um, oh, okay. There was a, there was a game, yeah. yeah, a totally different game. Yeah, it was made by Capcom. Um, it is a side-scrolling uh, game, kind of kind of in the vein vein of um, Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah, Ghouls and Ghosts. Thank you. Um, it looks a lot like that, and I remember playing that one in arcades. And yeah, there's really a different one. It. Yeah, there's a Japanese one. Um, yes, I see it now. Wow. Do you remember playing that? No, I never played this game. Yeah. yeah, this looks a lot better than that other one. Good lord, what the heck? Yeah, I remember seeing. That's the one I remember seeing. Um, that's awesome. And, yeah. So there was a an NES one that was released in 1989 and then this other one also came out in uh, 1989 so they for whatever reason were released a year later i guess they're waiting for vhs release or something maybe but um yeah this is basically a a ghouls and ghosts kind of clone and it uh i remember playing the crap out of it like every time we went to the the arcades i would play that game but i'd never seen the movie so it was really funny like i remember thinking like oh this looks so awesome Uh, i wish i could see the movie and just never i played the game but never actually watched the movie so really cool that, that was literally my only introduction to uh, willow when i was a kid was the game the video game so really neat anyway um i might have to play that because uh it actually looks really good now that i'm looking at it now so. is it on is there a port that it's on no like you'd have to get an emulator to play it i'll probably play it on my on my computer okay so cool. yeah looks good i like Cool. Well, um, I think that was a good discussion on Willow. Um, uh, I like having these discussions where like one of us grew up with this movie, but the other one's never seen it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and we'll have, we'll have more of those. We've got some other movies that we are thinking about doing next week. We're going to return back to star Wars. I'm very excited to get back to uh, episode nine and 10. 10 hasn't come out yet. Nine already has. We'll talk about nine and 10 together of Star Wars, the Clone Wars next week. Uh, I've not watched episode nine, but right before we hit record, Jack was telling me that he watched it and thought it was awesome. Am I representing your... Um, say it one more time. Sorry. You, you, you thought episode nine was awesome? Of the yeah, Clone I Wars. loved it. Um, I, I just want you to... I'm, I don't want to spoil it. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, just, yeah, just... Just, just watch it. It's gonna be great. So, cool. I'm so that's what we're gonna do next week. I'm very excited about that. I'm, I'm really hoping to see some actual like 
good scenes <laughs> with Ahsoka Tano. Um, I want to, I want to, I hope we get to see more about um, uh, De- Death Watch and, and um, Darth Maul. And uh, who's the, the girl that is like, Oh, the sisters? You want more? You want more of those sisters from the no, from I, previous I, two episodes? I, I, don't, I don't ever see those. <laughs> uh, I lied, actually, Phil. They're in this whole episode. They go on another heist. This time, oh. they're looking to free the Ewoks uh, okay. from a prison of all places. They're stuck in a prison, yeah. and they are going to be uh, stuck in a prison for a while. The rest of the series is it's called uh, Prison Life. Clone Wars Prison Life. That sounds great. Uh, no, uh, Bo-Katan was, was who I was. I want to learn more about Bo-Katan and it's kind of where she sits with Maul, Maul and, and uh, Mandalorian and, uh, in general. So, yeah, I, I cannot w- wait to see. I, I hope it takes place. I'll Mandalore. I have all these expectations. I don't know if any of those are true because uh, I haven't watched it yet, but we'll, we'll see what happens and we'll come back around and talk about that next week. Um, in two weeks, we uh, have kind of a list of movies. We don't have to pick one today. We'll pick one by next week. If you are listening to the show and you want to give us a, a suggestion for something to watch, let us know at Disney Plus Reviews at Hotmail.com. A few of the ones that we had thrown out before were the 2016 version of Pete's Dragon, which I don't think either one of us have seen yeah i've seen um, it i've seen it you've seen it i've not yeah. um 2016 is the bfg Did you, have you i seen have it? not seen it yeah i haven't seen that one either that's a roald doll story i believe yes. yeah um, which was which great i love roald doll so i'd like to see that yes. um the 1991 rocketeer which i both of us have seen we grew up Man. on it but I've not watched it in probably 25 years minimum. And so um I, i'd really like to go back and watch that one and then also not at all like anything that I've mentioned. Um, 2018's Free Solo, which is like a documentary style movie about a guy that uh, climbs Yosemite. I can't remember what big rock he climbs, but uh, without the aid of any kind of instruments. Um, just completely just solos it. So um, I kind of like to, to watch that too. So um, we'll pick, make a selection next week. But if you have any suggestions for which one of those we should watch, let us know. Uh, what else have you been watching on Disney Plus before we close this um, up? Uh, like I said, Clone Wars, uh, that, that sort of thing, um, being so excited about it. Um, one thing I want to say, this isn't a, what I have watched, but what I will watch. I want to say this. Uh, I'm reading now that Disney Plus is going to release Artemis Fowl on uh, Disney Plus, like on Disney Plus, June the 12th. If you've oh. ever read, have you ever read any of the Artemis Fowl books, Phil? No. Artem, you need to watch the trailer. Artemis Fowl, those books are so good. If there was, okay. a, it, they came, okay, those books came out before the Harry Potter, well, around the same time as Harry Potter, slowly, kind of similarly, close, um, very, very good. But um, they're a lot closer. I think it's a lot closer to what, like Fantastic Beasts is like, but it came out long before Fantastic Beasts. And I always knew that if they could get a movie, it would be good. I have actually pretty high expectations for this thing. It's going to be on Disney Plus, what did I say, June the 17th or 12th. Um, it, Dude, um, I'm reading about the cast. It's, so this is well, a Kenneth it, Branagh it, directing. Right. Um, uh, obviously, the main main characters are you know younger kids, yeah, but right. um, uh, Josh Gad is in it. Colin Farrell is the kind of the uh, the father figure. Uh, Judy Dench is in it. Yeah. Um, th- this is looking good. <laughs> right. No, it's going to be good, and I I feel bad for um, 
uh, what's his name? Col Colfer's his name. Kaufner's his name. Uh, the the uh, author because he had a he made a lot of money on these books. Like when they came out, they're in that yeah, that early teen to mid teen kind of realm of books, and it's a really cool universe that it's based out of. And uh, I just felt bad because I never could get a movie off the ground. And then they got a movie, but it was like almost one of those where you're like, well, you've kind of missed your timing of it, you know? Right. But but still, they were going to get a movie. Disney was going to do it. Well, and then it was supposed to release in theaters May the 29th. Well, now all this oh, mess happened. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, so this, is, this yeah. wasn't like a made-for-Disney Plus movie. This was an actual movie. No, it's that a was theater movie that, that, that they're going to release wow. on Disney Plus now. So that's why I'm kind of looking forward to it. And now, especially since it's just going to be on Disney Plus, that's something to look forward to. I would say this is something we need to talk about once it comes out. So. Oh, absolutely. I will, I will watch that day one. So uh, looking out. forward to that. So that's what it's saying on. I'm looking at Variety, and that's what Variety is talking about as of two days ago. Um, talking about it being on. Um, yeah, it's on coming Disney June twelfth. It, it was originally slated to be in theaters on May 29th. and so they're, but then instead they're going to release it on Disney Plus, but delayed by a couple of weeks. So it'll come out on June twelfth on Disney Plus. That looks awesome. Uh, I, I can't wait He's to see a that. Twelve year old criminal mastermind, and you know, if I were going to say that to you. You normally would be like, Jack, you do not like child actors. But I'm literally uh, I'm actually I actually have hope that this is going to be good. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully they cool. cast the right kid is my hope. Well you got me excited about that. That's um that'll be here yes. before we know it. It's coming out yeah. in a couple months. They cast the right kid. They've got Justin Bieber playing a twelve year old. I'm just oh, good. <laughs> he's gonna his first thing he's gonna come out, he's gonna be baby, baby, baby. Uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that, that's what I'm looking forward to. Cool. Well, um, I have not watched any Disney Plus um, this week, except other than Willow, of course, and a five-minute um, Simpsons special that they were kind of touting on the homepage. Um, did you have you watched Playdate with Destiny? I have not. Is it good? It it's five minutes. So. Uh, go ahead and watch it. <laughs> Let's just say that is it. It's not hilarious. Uh, I don't think I laughed at all um, out loud, at least during the during the five minute special. Um, it is very clever, and um, without uh, there's not much to spoil here, but without spoiling too much, it basically follows Maggie falling in love with another toddler on a playground that she goes to, and then trying to get back to him again. Is it kind of like a Pixar um, short. It is exactly like that. It's the okay. same same length of time, five minutes. Um, yeah. it, credits roll literally five minutes after you the first frame. So um, it's a short thing. It's worth watching, especially if you're a Simpsons fan. Um, the very first frame, interesting, interestingly enough, says uh, Disney welcomes the Simpsons, which I, I thought was um, very uh, historical to kind that of see that. Um, and uh, the only other thing I'll say, and I, this is not a spoiler, I, I think it's just interesting to note uh it's a completely silent episode there, there's there's absolutely no uh spoken word uh during the episode so it's, it's it's five minutes of her just being a baby and she obviously can't talk and um there are other i won't spoil who else is in it but there are other characters from the simpsons um you know universe that are in the in the special but they don't speak so it's five minutes of just silence um and obviously uh, soundtrack and uh, sound effects and stuff like that but none of the characters in the show speak so uh that i think it's interesting to watch just from that standpoint but you're not gonna laugh your head off it's it's uh it's clever but not funny in my cool. opinion well whatever so, so yep that's all i saw um, all right. I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Um, 
we will be back like i said before with more clone wars we'll cover the next couple episodes and jack is hard to believe that we're only going to have one other episode after that um covering clone wars season seven and then it'll be the end of clone wars which is very interesting yep but next week we'll talk about episodes nine and ten so that's your homework go ahead and watch those episodes and meet us back here uh same feed for that and then we'll be back a couple weeks later talking about uh, another movie that we'll decide next week so thanks for tuning in and we will see you then yeah